The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 294, broadcasting live Thursday, May 21st, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. As always, if there's any issues, you can always make sure to interact with us on the chat, mtrlive.com or gfqlive.tv. We do read the chat as the show continues. Uh, Right now, we are broadcasting live with audio and video on mtrlive.com and gfqlive.tv. As always, you can also listen to the show live via Mixler, either via the audio feed on mtrlive.com or via the official Mixler app available for iOS and Android devices. You can look that up on either of the respective stores for either of your devices and just punch up Mixler. And if you have the app, just punch up My Take Radio and you'll be able to listen to the show live in progress. You can also use our call number, not hit option one, and you can listen to the show that way as well. Archived episodes of the show are available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and video archives are available on our YouTube channels. My Take Radio TV and official RageWorks. All right, so a couple of things this week. Um, for those of you that were on MTRLive.com yesterday looking for a live show, unfortunately, scheduling for myself personally just conflicted with trying to get a live show out to you guys. So unfortunately, I was not able to do that. In addition, with all the stuff that was going on in wrestling this week, we will be shelving MMA this week. And going strictly wrestling, we're going to be talking about Payback, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, plus the week's wrestling news. As always, we will take your calls. Hopefully next week we'll get back to a regular broadcasting schedule. Things get a little hectic at the uh, the real job during the uh, the middle of the month, so it throws off all our scheduling. But hopefully as we continue our march to MTR 300, that will level off going into June. Which, by the way, we will be covering Special Edition NY uh, the first weekend of June. That's Saturday and that's Sunday. So if you are in New York and plan to attend, or if you're coming from 
abroad and are going to be attending the event, please make sure to look for us. Of course, feel free to reach out via Twitter at my take radio or at rage underscore works. Always nice to meet listeners and fellow fans and interact with you guys. Never a big, never a big enough uh, in sense of, of accomplishment for me than interacting with a lot of you guys in the real world. So we'll be covering that. Also, towards the end of the month, we will be working Consumer Electronics Week. As always, for those of you that do attend that event, my fellow colleagues, I look forward to seeing you guys as well. Also, tomorrow, well, in a, in a, in a, in a couple of hours, because it'll be Friday, uh, we will be recording a brand new edition of MTR Behind the Mic with uh, The Real Brian from ProfitCast and Arrow Squad and a couple of other podcasts. This guy's a man of many hats. I'm looking forward to sitting down with him, talking about his process, all the shows he's working on, monetization of your podcast, and a ton of other things as well. That's going to be recorded tomorrow afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we will be releasing that first to My Take Radio app owner. So if you have the official My Take Radio app, you will get access to that show first before it is released to the general public the following Friday. So be on the lookout for that if you have the My Take Radio app. If you don't, it's $1.99 and it's available for Android and iOS plus Windows mobile devices as well. For Android, you're going to be heading to the Amazon Marketplace. For iOS, of course, you're heading to iTunes. And for Windows, you can use it for Windows 8 or for your Windows mobile device. And you'll be able to access it that way. And of course, you get 96K stereo episodes of the show, exclusive content, mobile wallpapers, and a ton of other stuff that we try to give you guys as well for making an investment in the app which leads me to the next thing i know many of you have reached out and i've mentioned it on air about making the app free still a lot of moving parts with regards to getting that done i really would like to make that possible and it's definitely on my to-do list right now we've been working with some developers to make some additional enhancements on the back end of the site primarily for sourcing content and a couple of other things just to make us deliver content faster for you guys Uh, the other thing which a couple of people have asked me about was alternate video sources and alternate chats Uh, probably starting tomorrow i'm going to be testing out mtrlive.com or rageworks uh, rageworks rageworks.com forward slash live two and i'm going to be using that as a testing portal to test out youtube possibly twitch and other services so that we can also have an alternate method of broadcasting the show as well as an alternate chat system as well. I know some of you guys have a love-hate relationship with the chat and um, we want to try and do other video stuff. So hopefully we'll be testing that tomorrow since I will be off to do that. Now, one of the things that a lot of people have been recommending, and I thank you all for your suggestions, is to put my take radio on Twitch. Now, I've been Uh, asking around and some people say that it's possible some people say that it's not um, because our show does have non-gaming content for those of you that don't know Wednesdays usually is our wrestling and MMA show and then Thursdays we do get into gaming and entertainment so I don't know how well Twitch would respond to us airing a you know a 90 minute block or a two hour block of non-gaming content so we're still experimenting with that we are going to figure out what the issue is with YouTube Live, that's still a work in progress. And there's some other streaming services that people recommended us as well. Definitely want to thank all of you that did that. We really do appreciate it. All right, so 
With all that housekeeping out of the way, I definitely want to just say that make sure to head over to RageWorks.net. Check out all our new content. We got new stuff on deck from Slick. I also posted some stuff over the last couple of days from some of the events that we've covered and a couple of things that we're working on. Uh, Definitely check out the coverage that we did of the Pally event with Conan O'Brien and Anderson Cooper. It was Without a doubt, an amazing experience, a, a a truly, truly humbling experience for me, especially because I've been doing this for so long. And sometimes, you know, you you question it and you wonder if it's worth doing. And then opportunities present themselves that are so unique and so crazy that you really have to pinch yourself and wonder if, if it's if you're really awake for some of this stuff. So, again, definitely check it out. Check out the presentation, which is also in the article, an amazing, amazing special uh, regarding Conan O'Brien's trip to Cuba and his episodes, uh, the shows that he recorded over there with the Cuban people. It was it was amazing. It was funny, had a lot of great laughs and best of all, um, just an incredibly humbling experience, both for him as, you know, a comedian and a television host and just for our, you know, us here at Rageworks, just being able to to participate in something of that magnitude was incredibly, incredibly humbling. All right, so let me not beat this up any further. Let's jump into some wrestling for this week because, man, it's going to be a wild night. Booker T, what time is it? We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga! My Take Radio's wrestling segment is brought to you by WWEShop.com. Yes, that WWE Shop. Use our promo code WWESAVE10 to save $10 on orders over $70 or more. Get all your favorite wrestling t-shirts, replica belts, you name it, they got it. Head over to WWEShop.com. Also, if you're on Rageworks, feel free to click any of the banners on the site. Take advantage of the promo deals and specials that we post on the site as well. Of course, clicking on those banners helps us out and allows us to get a a, a small percentage from WWE, which allows us to continue to improve the show to deliver great and engaging content for you guys. All right, so lots of wrestling to discuss, as I said at the top of the show. Payback, Raw, NXT, some SmackDown news. I do want to talk about TNA Impact and the rumors surrounding their cancellation on Destination America. I do want to get into that. Plus, as always, we will take your calls 347-324-3541, 347-324-3541. Now, last week, I tested out a different approach to our recaps and our discussions. Instead of doing the whole match-by-match breakdown, I realized that by this stage of the game, many of you guys already know what happened, and what you're tuning in for is to get excuse me, get my take or our take on what we thought of some of these events. And that's pretty much going to be the name of the game. I'm going to continue testing at, testing and tweaking this formula going forward. I may go back into some play-by-play stuff, but there's no necessity to recap every fucking match. You guys don't give a shit. What you guys care about are our thoughts. So let's get to it. Uh, WWE Payback was a surprisingly solid pay-per-view for what I like to consider the filler months. 
And for those of you that aren't aware of that terminology, when I refer to the filler months or filler pay-per-views, it is pay-per-views outside of the confines of the Big Four, meaning outside of the Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series, everything else is kind of relegated to filler category. Of course, with we got payback in the month of May. We also have the Elimination Chamber, which was announced, which is happening next week, next Friday, as a matter of fact. Plus, uh, on SmackDown, Roman Reigns mentioned Money in the Bank and his... Um, his desire to be involved in that match. So of course there is that that needs to be addressed. And in August we got SummerSlam. So June and July are still going to be filler pay-per-view months with August, of course, being the big one for SummerSlam. And that will take us forward into the fall, which of course takes us into Survivor Series, etc., etc., etc. So as I was saying, for a filler pay-per-view, it was a lot better than I expected. There were a couple of high points and a fair share of low points, but not low to the point that it detracted from, you know, the overall enjoyment. It was just things that I felt really were lacking. And the first thing I want to talk about, and this is something that really just is on the right side for me. And one of the high points of the payback card was the two out of three falls match for the WWE tag team titles with Cesaro and kid taking on the new day. Now, I want to talk about that match because I really feel that the New Day, love them or hate them, Cesaro and Kid, are really working overtime to reestablish tag team wrestling in the WWE. Every one of their matches continues to become a, a an instant classic for different reasons, either because of the ring work or because of the spots or the storytelling. But you're starting to see an incredible resurgence in the tag team division, and you have to attribute it to guys like the New Day, guys like Kid and Cesaro. Love it or hate it, you got to throw it to guys like the Ascension, the Lucha Dragons. You know, these are guys that are that are really putting in work to re to reestablish tag team wrestling, which used to be one of the WWE's high points, and as of late, much like their diva, like their divas division has fallen by the wayside. But overall, <coughs> excuse me. Overall, this match had great storytelling. I felt that, again, the dynamic with Kid and Cesaro and the New Day was really running on all cylinders. Those guys looked like they were really having a good time out there. And while I would have liked Kid and Cesaro to get the belts, I do understand the logistics and the validity of the New Day having the tag team titles at this point. Plus, of course, their their desire to defend it using the Freebird rule, which is any combination of the three members can defend the belts makes things very, very interesting. One thing I do have to admit, I do feel that the duo of Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston definitely meshes the best in tag team competition. It's a duo we don't see often, but when those two guys are in there, they work really, really well together. Again, solid match, great outing for both teams. And while again, I would have liked to have seen Kid and Cesaro get the belts back, I understand from a narrative perspective, how 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 crucial it is right now at this moment for the New Day to retain the tag team titles. And we'll get into why later on in the show. The other high point I wanted to talk about was a surprising one, and that involved Bray Wyatt and Ryback. Now, the reason I want to bring this up is because many people don't deem Ryback's ring work as being very good. A lot of people feel he's very stiff. He's very sloppy. I felt that 
Bray Wyatt complemented Ryback's style very well. I think both guys told an amazing story. Ryback came out of his comfort zone, did a lot of spots that really were unexpected for a guy of his size. Um, a beautiful top rope splash, which, um, again, something you don't see. I do feel that Ryback as a character has grown quite a bit as he's kind of escaping the the confines of the of the big meathead gimmick. And he's he's got good comedic timing. His improvisation has improved over the last couple of weeks. And I do feel that Bray Wyatt definitely brought something out. And I know a lot of you guys and even myself really were kind of groaning when we saw that this feud was gonna was gonna happen. But there are instances, and I've talked about this before, where sometimes the feuds may not be good, but the lasting impact for both superstars really benefits them in the long run. For a guy like Ryback, he worked with um, with a guy who's essentially the future of this business in Bray Wyatt. We'll love him or hate him, Bray Wyatt is a character that is going to be a force within the next five years. This is a guy being booked as the new face of fear, and because of that, I expect that you're going to see him at the center of many legendary feuds and many, many great moments. Another high point in, a, and like I said, a decent middle-of-the-road pay-per-view. Now, John Cena's match with Rusev was very, very good. And even though Cena is not exactly loved by everyone because of his five moves of doom, I do feel that Cena has been doing a tremendous job bringing wrestling back to the United States title. I think him and Rusev have great chemistry, but this has to be the final chapter. I do think that anything further with these two guys is just going to really hurt both guys. So I think it was a good way to to kind of put a, a an exclamation point on their feud, but also deliver a very, very good story and a very good match. Of course, Lana was a factor in the ending for the match, but... I understand that that was necessary, and to a point, it kind of succeeds in keeping Rusev strong because Rusev can continue to deny that he that he quit, and it's fine because you know even though due to the events on Monday, obviously that's a little different. I do feel that Lana be being involved and essentially throwing in the towel for him still keeps him somewhat strong. In terms of ring work, I do feel that again. John Cena's done a lot to come out of his comfort zone and really, really improve his storytelling and his wrestling. So definitely one of the one of the high points of the pay-per-view. Now, let's get into some of the low points. And if anything comes up, that's back in, in the high category or in the what the fuck category we'll address. But I do want to talk about Naomi and Tamina and uh, facing off against the Bella Twins. Now, My issue with this is that you went to such great lengths to get Naomi over with the audience, and then you turn her heel, and pretty much from that point forward, there there was just a, a weird turn of events that all of a sudden the Bella Twins are faces, which I've addressed, and Naomi is bad. Now... Obviously, the the easy answer is going to be that Naomi's not going to win the belt, obviously, because she's black. And I really would like that to not be the case because I do feel that it's something that, you know, it's it's something that's going to be brought up by the mainstream public at some point. And I have a feeling that unlike the WWE, the WWE championship, I do feel that Naomi will get the belt 
but it's going to be done in such a fashion where it's not going to have any sort of really, really huge significance. And when I say that, the fact was the fact is that I say this because Naomi winning the belt at WrestleMania or, you know, at a big moment, at, you know, one of the big pay-per-views is something that would really, really work with her character. I mean, to discuss how athletic she is and how, you know, how technical and how proficient she is in the ring, that's all great. But this is about titles. And in her case, I think that winning the the belt would be the icing on the cake. I feel to a to a certain extent that Tamina's involvement detracts from that and obviously the heel turn just I I really feel that the heel turn was not necessary. I think, you know, doing it and then doing it for the sake of keeping the Bella's faces in this feud was not the right way to do things. On the contrary, I would have let the feud play out with Naomi in the role that she's in and the Bella's in the role that they are and let the fans decide who they want to root for. Because I do feel that Naomi, in the long term, has a great future with the company and can really be one of the cornerstones of the Divas division. Again, the Bella Twins, their ring work is still pretty shitty, but it's not as shitty as it was, I don't know, a year ago. That honor still belongs to Eva Marie at this point. Eva Marie's ring work is complete dog shit. Has it improved? Who knows? I know she got some implants and she was at NXT, but other than that, I have no idea what type of of ring work, you know, she she's working with. Slick says Lana maintains that Rusev said he quit in whatever language he speaks. Yes, that that I'm aware of. But again, her word against his, the heel is, you know, he's going to stay strong, and that's what I mean. Even if she said that he quit, he can he can deny it every week and yeah the fans are gonna feel that he quit but it it doesn't weaken his character is what i was implying anyway i wanted to talk about king barrett and neville and the reason i didn't talk about this from a right standpoint is because as much as and i've said this before as much as the chemistry between neville and and king barrett is is astronomical it's tremendous it's great the problem is we've seen this match now one time too many, and there's really no incentive for either one of these guys. Yes, there's the whole big guy, little guy uh, scenario, but there's really nothing bigger driving something between both of these guys. Don't don't misunderstand. Their, their chemistry is great, but if you're going long term and you're going into, you know, just something bigger with both of these guys, there has to be something more at stake, namely... A title of some sort it's not like you know king barrett is putting his crown and scepter on the line it's just i it's something where they're gonna have these guys work together they realize they had something and they're going to continue to leverage that for the foreseeable future and while again i don't mind seeing adrian neville in matches with wade barrett because they're good i do feel that you're giving us too much too soon and too much of the same match with pretty much the same outcome, which is either Neville loses cleanly or when he wins, he doesn't win clean, which I understand they're doing to keep Barrett strong, but it really just makes Neville spin his wheels in the grand scheme of things. Now, I want to talk about the Fatal 4-Way because the Fatal 4-Way wasn't terrible. On the contrary, we even saw a, a, a quasi-reunion of the Shield, which, of course, when I saw it, I said to myself, holy shit, say it's, 
tell me it's going to happen. My issue with this entire turn of events is the fact that you're ending these matches, you're doing these main event matches, and you're, and you're ending them with all kinds of fucking shenanigans. You know, all kinds of shenanigans. Like, 17 people ran in this match. And again, I understand the authorities involved. I understand that there's this whole, you know, the whole big authority angle at play. But the problem is, and I've said this before, and Slick is, has co-signed with this as well when we've addressed it, you're not doing Rollins any favors. When 20 fucking people get involved, you really, it does more harm than good. Don't get me wrong. The match was technically sound. There were a lot of really great spots, a lot of great moments, and a ton of great storytelling. But it was all brought to a screeching halt with the whole will Kane or won't Kane get involved and, you know, jerk off and jerk off security getting involved. It was just... It was it was so unnecessary, so unnecessary when this guy is supposed to be, you know, the future of this business. Now, again, I understand he's the cowardly heel. He's the manipulative heel. He's all of those different. He has all of those different qualities. But the problem is that if you continue to not allow him to get clean victories, people are going to automatically assume that every one of his matches is going to end terribly. And you're, they're going to end up either leaving if they're at the live events or maybe fast forwarding or just pausing the event and coming back later because they know that there's, I don't know, a, an 80% chance that Rollins is going to retain. And that's one of the things that I felt was kind of wrong with this. You know, it's the fact that I understand you want to you have the authority, you want to have that whole big you know, man, evil, evil owner, evil manager involved. But my problem with that is just the fact that, again, no clean victories, no clean title defenses. It's just really not, it's really not doing anybody any favors. And it's funny because Slick brings up another person who was plagued with this, and he's a legend, and that is Ric Flair. If you guys remember in the WCW days when Flair was running with the Four Horsemen, very, very rarely were their super clean pinfalls when Ric Flair was concerned. The horsemen got involved, all kinds of shit. And, um, you know, Donnie adds to it as well. Donnie from Tumbling with Tumbleweed that you can check out on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, he says, this is what I call the fill-in main event. You knew Rollins was leaving with the belt. That, that, and it's terrible that Donnie you know, Donnie just, just blurted that out because that's pretty much exactly what it felt like. It's like, oh, we're going to do this fatal four way, but we're going to keep the belt on Rollins. And the reason I say this is because there's no incentive in putting the belt on Randy Orton. There is none. Roman Reigns is not ready. And Dean Ambrose, for as much as we all love Dean Ambrose and we feel that he is the future of this company, much like Rollins, I can tell you right now that there was no way in hell he was winning that. There were two scenarios, and I discussed them last week. A reunification of the Shield and a swerve, or a, you know just, just the, the foregone conclusion with Rollins winning. That's pretty much it. Now, going into Raw, before I wrap up my, my, you know, my breakdown of payback, I do have to say this. For, for filler pay-per-views on the network, I'm not, I'm not as... as quick to get angry about certain outcomes because again and and slick is you know slick can attest to this and so have our so can any of our regular listeners 
you're essentially paying 10 bucks. You're paying 10 bucks and that's, you know, that's it. You know, you're paying 10 bucks and you get what you get. And either you watch it or you don't. Like it's it's not like if you would have paid $60 to see the event end in a DQ or some sort of shenanigans you'd feel robbed. It's 10 bucks, whatever. You know, there's a dozen other things that will validate that $10 minus one mediocre pay-per-view. Not to say that payback was mediocre is is you know it, there's he's not a media it wasn't a mediocre pay-per-view in the least it was a solid pay-per-view for what is considered essentially a filler pay-per-view now i want to address some of the stuff in the in the chat donnie says if reigns isn't ready ambrose sure as hell isn't to which slick responded ambrose is not a near future world champ ambrose has ic or u.s title in his near future and, and donnie of course agreed and i I agree in the short term. In the long term, the reason I feel that Ambrose has the potential to be a future world heavyweight champion is a couple of reasons. Number one, his mic work is substantially as good, if not better, than most guys on the roster. That's number one. Number two, his ring work is good as well. Number three, he has that aura of of Brian Pillman you know, that loose cannon crazy guy that if you book it right will work well as a champion because you can make him a guy that has no allegiances. Dean Ambrose is probably one of the few guys on the roster that you can book the same way you book Stone Cold Steve Austin, meaning no allegiances, a tweener. He can beat up bad guys just as easily as he can beat up good guys, and that's it. If anybody can, you know, if anybody can 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 work that line... It's Ambrose's character. The only thing that stops Ambrose from being great at this point is creative because his ring at work is good and his mic work is good. Donnie says he has to stop that stupid bounce off the rope. You know what the funny thing about that, Donnie? That's pretty much his signature spot. Every time I see him, I'm like, I, I, I wait for it. Like, you know, we all joke about the five moves of doom. Ambrose is starting to, to, to create his repertoire of, you know, five moves of doom. Not we're not at that stage yet, but the uh the bounce off the rope, you know, the 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 slingshot clothesline definitely is is an expected spot at this point. You just know it's going to happen. It's no different than the hitman doing the the uh the elbow off the second rope to the guy and setting up for the sharpshooter. That's there's certain guys that after a while you can pretty much call their matches with your eyes closed. And we we all we all have a couple of those guys. We all have a couple of those guys that that really just we can call their matches with our with our eyes closed. Donnie says that the uh the slingshot clothesline looks terrible. You know what the thing about that clothesline is? Sometimes he doesn't hit the ropes in a fluid fashion, so it definitely looks incredibly awkward. The other thing is that sometimes the guy that takes the clothesline does not sell it correctly. So there's a there's a lot of moving parts there that don't that don't do that move any favors, but unfortunately, it's exactly what Slick said. It used to look great, but there, like I said, a lot of moving parts in there. Besides, like I said, the um the the placement. It's just the fact that it's rushed and and like Slick just said in the chat, it gets a little sloppy. I did for you know for those of you that are curious, I will I will say this. The um, I don't want to get into this Dolph Ziggler and Sheamus match, and the reason I didn't bring it up was because I didn't love it and I didn't hate it. But again, it's a match where you're spinning, where you're spinning your wheels. 
both of these guys are stuck in limbo. That's why I didn't say that it was right, or I didn't say that there was anything wrong with it. It was just there. It was there, and we knew it, what was going to happen, and we knew that Ziggler was going to pretty much put over Sheamus, but again, now what? What are you going to do with uh, the Mad Max reject? Please tell me. We know what's going to happen with Ziggler when I get into Raw in a few minutes, but with regards to the pay-per-view itself, the match really meant jack shit. <laughs> the, the, match me- the match meant jack shit in the grand scheme of things, you know? And, and that's terrible. It's terrible because it just shows that certain, that certain guys on the roster just have no direction whatsoever. Sheamus is that guy. Sheamus has zero direction right now. You're bringing the guy back. He's stringing together all these victories. He's in this meaningless feud with Dolph Ziggler. And every time he's gotten the upper hand, nothing else has come of it. So he's just treading water right now. Anyway, let's shift gears, jump into Raw real quick. Raw, to to an extent, superseded uh, payback. To a, to a point. To a point. First thing is the setup of the Elimination Chamber for the IC title. Very, very good move. I was shocked with some of the participants like Ryback and and Sheamus being in this match, but we already know that Sheamus is glorified IC title contender every fucking day of the week. I was shocked that Ryback was put in this match, but I know that with with what's been going on, it's it was, you know, it was a no-brainer because nothing is being done with Ryback either as for their opening match i don't want to say it was it was a, a you know the low point of the broadcast but i definitely feel that the match needed work and the reason that i say that is because you got two guys that work strong style big guy offense and neither one can carry the other and i say this because Sheamus, for a big guy he has a good move set he moves really well but he's not a guy, he's not a ring general, not yet. He's not a guy that can carry his opponent to a match. Neither is Ryback. Ryback's matches that are really good and memorable come at the hands of guys that are significantly better than him in the ring. Again, not a dig at either guy, but definitely not one of the high points from this past Monday's Raw. Now, like I said with the pay-per-view, oh, look, It's a match with Neville and King Barrett. Yet again, another low point. Why? Because Neville, all he does is put the bull hammer over and nothing of substance comes of it. The only thing that, the only decent thing is that they're, they're setting up a feud between Bo Dallas and Neville, which started in NXT. But at that point, there was no necessity to give us the same match on Monday that you gave us on Sunday. Now, high point. Rusev and Lana separation. Couple of things from that were very, very well executed. Number one, you succeeded in making Rusev even more hated than he was with the way he spoke to Lana to dissolve their partnership. Definitely a high point. Lana trying to salvage the relationship definitely was a high point as well. The only thing is that Lana definitely has trouble keeping that Russian accent and Rusev delivered the best line. I don't need you to translate for me. I speak your stupid language was priceless. 
it was so good because it really reinforced the fact that Lana was there simply as a quote-unquote distraction. Rusev didn't need her to translate. The only high point out of that, aside from the great breakup, was the fact that that Lana got in the last shot by letting the audience know that Rusev said that he quit. Obviously, being his quote-unquote translator and spokesperson, she can get that dig in there, and people can look at it, A, as a woman scorned, or B, as in he really did say I quit. So there were a lot of really good things that were done in that entire exchange. Definitely, again, a high point of the evening. Now, you give us Bray Wyatt, Dean Ambrose. Again, those guys, great chemistry, great storytelling. But instead, we end it with jerk-off and jerk-off security getting involved to give Bray Wyatt the victory. What does this accomplish? Nothing. I understand that it cost Ambrose the match in the grand scheme of things, but let's be realistic. Again, a match that has no real consequence other than angle advancement. It was good for Bray Wyatt and for Ambrose because they went out there and they gave us a good, you know, 10-minute match, five, you know, seven-minute match. But again, you have to move it. You have to move it forward. And that's something that just really did not work for me. Anyway. Donnie says Lana loses the accent within the year. (laughs) A year is being generous. Lana loses the accent within the next six weeks. (laughs) Simple as that. But you are right, though. I do have to agree. So we got a promotion for the five-team tag team elimination chamber match, which, again, just looks like a complete disaster. I think that it's going to be a great match that has a lot of moving parts. But if it's not booked correctly, it's going to look like a train wreck. Anyway, the end result of the Tyson Kidd uh, Cesaro versus New Day match ended with everybody coming out and the primetime players just coming out and unleashing hell to close it out with their millions of dollars dance. Now, this is what I'm talking about. This is what we need. You have tag teams and a lot of good ones at this point. Do something with them. Like I said, the Tag Team Elimination Chamber has the makings of being tremendous, has the makings of being something that we will be talking about the following week, like, holy shit, was that great. But it can also be booked terribly and just look like a car wreck. Now, the other thing that was announced was the IC Title Match Elimination Chamber with Rusev, Ryback, Sheamus, R-Truth, and King Barrett, and of course, an, an unnamed opponent, who we will find out about later on, which I'll discuss. Now, let's talk about one of the super, super high points. And that was John Cena's open U.S. Open Challenge. Now, if you guys have been listening to the show the last couple of weeks, I've said that Cena doing this U.S. Open Challenge is a great way to get NXT talent on TV to test them out on the main stage. They don't have to win, But if they're impressive and they look good and the crowd is into them, you know which guys are going to swim when they get up to to, to the upper card, you know, to the main roster. Which leads me to this week. This week, John Cena cut an amazing promo putting over the U.S. title, how important it is. You know, he kind of, you know, he acknowledged the armed forces. It was a typical pro Cena, get the audience in your back pocket promo. Really, really good. 
that promo came to a screeching halt when Kevin Owens walked out. And the beauty of Kevin Owens, for those of you that don't know, Kevin Owens, a.k.a. Kevin Steen, is probably one of the best guys that hasn't been in a WWE ring on the main roster in quite some time. And the reason I say this is because Neville's already on the main roster. Zayn has has competed on the main roster. Kevin Owens on the main roster was ridiculous. That crowd not only was blown out of the water, but their, their reaction was great. Kevin Owens is an amazing heel. He's probably one of the best heels they got on the roster, second to Seth Rollins right now. And the reason I say this in terms of heel champions, he is he is running on all cylinders. So Kevin Owens comes out. He pretty much clowns John Cena. John Cena is like, let me give you some veteran advice. And um, Kevin Owens essentially told him to go fuck himself because he's been wrestling forever. And it's true, Kevin Owens, this is something, and I, and, I'd say, and I say this all the time, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, uh, Samoa Joe, CM Punk, yes, you can thank NXT for most of those guys, but the, guy, the, the company that you have to thank for those guys is Ring of Honor. And if you don't know what Ring of Honor is, go on YouTube and watch a couple of matches. And you'll understand. I always say that, yes, NXT is the developmental territory of now. But the best developmental territory within the last few years for WWE has been Ring of Honor. Period. You can thank Ring of Honor for Seth Rollins. You can thank Ring of Honor for Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Samoa Joe. Fuck it, I said it. You can thank Ring of Honor for all of those guys why because ring of honor put those guys on people's radar first and aside from ring of honor you have to thank the independents the indie shows because without the indie shows the stars of tomorrow would not have a place to 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 work and hone their craft always support independent wrestling because you never know that guy that you watch in that gymnasium on a Friday night with 300 people may be the next John Cena, the next Brock Lesnar, the next CM Punk, or Daniel Bryan. Again, and I say this all the time, there's a bigger world than WWE. It is huge, it is vast, and there is amazing talent out there. You know, it, like I said, Ring, Ring of Honor is just one of the many promotions you can thank. Everybody that's running and, and extolling the virtues of Finn Balor and how great he is, that guy honed his craft in New Japan Pro Wrestling and was leader of the Bullet Club. So do your homework. That's all I'm saying. Now, coming back to Kevin Owens coming out there and, and just dropping knowledge and pretty much clowning John Cena, he was like, listen, man, I'm not going to fight you. I'll fight you whenever I want, and it's not tonight. And then, of course, we all know, being seasoned wrestling fans, that Kevin Owens just wasn't going to walk out, but he ended up catching Cena, giving him a kick to the gut, and dropping him with a pop-up powerbomb. And that, my friends, is how you fucking debut a superstar. That's how you do that shit. Not 17 video packages, just random. 
out of nowhere. And and not only that, but do it right. John Cena ate that pop that pop-up power bomb like a champion. And to add a little insult to injury, Kevin Owens stepped on the US title. And if you want to get a guy to be hated, just have him beat up John Cena. Either they'll really if well, let me rephrase that. If you want a guy to be hated by kids, have him beat up John Cena. Because boy, oh boy, that's what the fuck you heard. Cheering from the adults and the seasoned wrestling fans and booing from the kids. And it was glorious. Glorious. Definitely one of the high points of the evening. Now, the other high point was Dolph Ziggler, of course, being announced for the Elimination Chamber. Coupled with the fact that now Lana came out, smooched with Dolph Ziggler, which of course brought out Rusev, which leads me to what I said to myself at the top of the program. I'm like, oh, Rusev's going to be in the chamber? I'm like, all right, cool. You know, guy was a former U.S. champion. I can see that. But as always, one guy's always feuding with another guy, and most of those guys had beef. I'm like, all right, Rusev doesn't really have beef with anybody in the chamber per se. And sure enough... Dolph Ziggler rose to the occasion to not only be the guy that he's beefing with, but be the opponent in his chamber, in the chamber. Now, again, definitely a high point, some direction for Ziggler, something new for Lana. And who knows, maybe, maybe some fresh blood will make Rusev a better, even better performer than he has been thus far. Now, I, you know, I'm not going to talk about Fandango and Zack Ryder taking on Harper and Rowan because it took breaking those guys up and doing absolutely jack shit with them for the company to decide, oh, we should put them back together. So definitely not not something I gave a shit about because, like I said, too damn too damn late in the game. Anyway, I do want to talk about this uh, this Divas titles ma- this uh, Divas title match with Nikki Bella and Naomi because again. You would expect Naomi to get the belt in this situation, but alas, not going to happen. Instead, it ended up Tamina getting involved and then using this match as a vehicle for the return of Paige. Now, again, I don't mind Paige. I think Paige is a great asset to the roster, but more and more opportunities have come and gone for Naomi, and she hasn't won the belt once. Like I said, it's going to raise some eyebrows and it's going to get people talking sooner rather than later. Now, again, I'm not saying she needs to win the belt for some sort of affirmative action, but I definitely think that there needs to be better execution in the grand scheme of things. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, definitely one of the low points. Last bit to close things out with regards to Raw, and I do want to say that this was not a high point and not a low point, kind of middle of the road, was the setup for Dean Ambrose to challenge for the WWE title at Elimination Chamber. Now, a couple of a couple of things come to mind. First of all, who just randomly places cinder blocks next to the announce table for no reason whatsoever? We're just going to put a pile of cinder blocks here because, I don't know, it's Monday and we're bored. But... Let, let's put that aside for a second. If Dean Ambrose didn't win any matches and the only reason that he got the match was because he threatened to smash Seth Rollins' head with a chair, 
wouldn't the neck the best course of action be to pretty much put Seth Rollins in danger at all times to get a title match? Fuck, if I were Roman Reigns, I would tie him to some train tracks like a cartoon character. Maybe that'll give him a title match. Oh, here's one. Maybe Randy Orton will dangle him off the side of a building and, you know, they'll give him a match. <laughs> it, it, it's it's one of those things that while I understand that you were going to do it because you were capitalizing on Dean Ambrose's crazy nature, it just it just really felt fucking stupid. Honestly, could have just it could have you could have set that up that Rollins and, and, and Ambrose could have had a match. Ambrose would have won. And it would have got him a title opportunity the same way that he got into the chamber by giving him a fucking victory. No, he's just going to randomly pull out a magical pile of cinder blocks and use that and say, oh, I'm going to smash his head with a fucking chair. Like I said, next week, Roman Reigns should just tie him to, to some train tracks. Maybe he'll get a title shot afterwards. It's just it just it was very, very lazy booking. And again, not a high point. Not a low point, but definitely just could have been executed better. Seriously, there, there's you could have done that a thousand times better without making everybody look like a bitch in that entire segment. You made the authority look like bitches because they caved because they didn't want Seth Rollins' head to be splattered over some cinder blocks. Nothing was accomplished. Nothing. The only good thing, Ambrose gets another title match and... That's and we get to see Seth Rollins use the pedigree because, you know, he can't use the curb stop. So there you have it for 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 all the right that Raw had Monday night. It had its fair share of fuck was that bad. And that's pretty much where we stand now. Payback in the books. Raw in the books. NXT takeover unstoppable. Holy shit couple of reasons why I say that. I got out of work last night at 10 after 10. With my commute and my drive home, I didn't get home till 10.30. I knew NXT was was in progress from 8 o'clock on, and I did not look at my phone or any social media the entire time. Why? Because with all the cir- the pomp and circumstance and all the excitement surrounding this card... I wanted to go in and enjoy it strictly as a fan. You know, like, don't get me wrong. I watch wrestling and I watch all this stuff from an analytical standpoint because it's it's part of the job, you know, for the show. And it allows me to, to work on critical thinking and just break shit down. But I did feel that I needed to go in and watch this clean. And Quark is quick to jump in immediately into the fray and say that NXT was worse than payback. I disagree. The reason I disagree is because everybody is very quick to, and and this isn't, this isn't me singling out quark, but me, people are very quick to single out that, you know, all the things that NXT may have done wrong. And once again, NXT is a developmental territory. Yes. Triple H is endorsing it and everybody loves it, but NXT is essentially minor league baseball. And because it is essentially minor league baseball, shit isn't always going to be fucking pretty. <laughs> these are these are the facts. I'm not saying that NXT is the, is a godsend and it's the end all be all, but I also want people to be aware of the fact that NXT 
is the equivalent of minor league baseball. Simple as that. For every New York Yankees, there's a Brooklyn Cyclones. You know, for every every New York Mets team, there's a Long Island Ducks. You know, that's just and those are all New York references, but you guys get the deal. Donnie, I know I know our Don Anderson from from is from Cleveland. Donnie, who's your minor league team over there for the Cleveland Indians? Now Quark says NXT did nothing wrong, I feel. I just felt payback was a better entertainment product. See? See what Quark just said? Payback was a better entertainment product. And it's funny that he says that because NXT, everybody loves it because NXT is more wrestling. And that's what happened. A lot of people were in the same camp that Quark was that they didn't feel entertained because it was so much wrestling. And, um, you know, that's I, I understand where Quark is coming from. But again, NXT is meant for minor league baseball. Like Donnie just gave me, the Columbus Clippers, the Akron Arios, all minor league teams for major league teams. Um, Quark said every match was good, but I felt like it was more of a setup than anything else. Okay, so let's get into that. The number one contenders match was supposed to be Finn Balor taking on Hideo Itami and Tyler Breeze. Unfortunately, Hideo Itami sustained a, so- a shoulder injury, a shoulder injury, which I addressed last week during the show and pretty much I said that he was probably not going to compete because the severity of the injury was going to take him off the shelf for the foreseeable future now we ended up getting Finn Balor and and uh, Tyler Breeze first thing we got it almost felt like you were watching Wrestlemania because you got these over-the-top entrances obviously with Tyler Breeze using Periscope and he had all the models and shit out there. It was cool, even though he was dressed like a furry matador. Um, and Finn Balor comes out just dressed like like fucking like just something that crawled out of out of any any horrible monster movie. And it was good. I mean, if if you guys have been following Finn Balor's career when he was Prince Devitt, you know that this guy loves the theatricality, all the awesome face paint, but. We also knew that all the Marvel and DC stuff that he did on the independents, he wasn't going to be able to get away with for much longer because copyright. Like when he came out and he was pretty much carnage the first time, we knew that that would probably be the first and last time we would see that. And as it evolved and it changed, it became this this big demon and and that's what it was. Did I did I think that the entrance was amazing? Absolutely. Did I think we needed an entrance that was pretty much on par with some shit you see at WrestleMania? Not so much. But I understand why they did that because, you know, Triple H, NXT is his baby, and these shows are very, very, very important for the NXT brand. So to them, every one of these shows is essentially a pay-per-view, so they got to pull out all the stops. I understand that. Did we need three minutes for it? Eh, Maybe not. As for the match itself, it was it was really good. They had a, a great opener. The crowd was into it. They were amazing. And I knew that Finn Balor was going to end up being the number one contender. But the only thing that bothered me about the entire turn of events is that Tyler Breeze is such a good wrestler. And I just feel that he keeps being passed over and passed over and passed over. And it's not fair because the guy is really, really good. I almost feel... And that that he has the makings of, you know, a Shawn Michaels for a new generation. The guy has good ring work. 
great presence. His gimmick is on point. Well, at least it's on point in NXT. I don't know how well that gimmick would do on the main roster, but for NXT, he's killing it. And the guy just never gets close. Every time something happens, it just, you know, the next guy comes in and that guy becomes champion. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I like Finn Balor. The guy is amazing. But you you could give him the belt or not give him the belt. The guy's one of the most over guys on in, on that roster, period. Nonetheless, is uh, Quark says that Breeze is the Cody Rhodes of NXT. Now, are you saying that as a compliment or as or or as a dig? Because Cody Rhodes is a great performer, so I'm cu- I'm curious where you stand. So by all means, please feel free to uh, to indulge. Anyway, so as I said, it was a great opening. Everybody was marking out because the, you know the mountain from Game of Thrones was there, and people were like, "Oh shit, they're gonna sign the mountain to to a WWE contract." You never know, but it was it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to see that. Now, Bailey and Charlotte took on Dana Brooke and Emma. Of course, Emma is now a heel. Charlotte loves Bailey. Let's get to it. This was another match that I felt was a high point. And the reason I say that is because Dana Brooke is fucking terrible in the ring. She is complete garbage out there. Don't get me wrong, she's got a great look, but a, a terrible terrible ring presence she is nowhere near ready for anything so this tag match hit a lot of her flaws and it worked it really worked because every time she got in there i'm like wow this match is a fucking train wreck when she's in there so emma pretty much did the the bulk of the work which was fine i do got to say that there was a pretty scary spot where bailey got pulled off the top rope and she hit her neck on the top turnbuckle and i was like shit i think she really got hurt Overall, definitely one of the high points of the card. I felt that it was really, really great storytelling. I felt, like I said, that all three women did a good job of hiding Dana Brooks' flaws. Because, man, she is fucking terrible. Terrible. It was it was crazy. Um, they showed a brand new class of NXT talent. And, of course, wrestling fans are a lot smarter now than they were 10 years ago. So, of course, when they showed Uha Nation... Everybody was pumped because everybody knows who he is. Why? The magic of YouTube. And stuff like that is great for guys like Uha Nation and guys that are newly signed by the company because those guys come in and they have a fan base already built in. People already know who they are and they support them. And it was really cool to see that and see some of the uh, the future uh, NXT rookies in the in attendance. It was, it was really cool. Now, I want to talk low point. Baron Corbin and Rhino. The reason I I put this match on one of the low points in my in my you know in my you know my take on it is as follows. Rhino is a solid worker and Rhino had to carry Baron Corbin to a good match. This guy that essentially has a pussy for a stomach um <laughs> is um it's like Baron Corbin looks like a superstar from the chest up. From the chest down, it's like he has Krang inside his fucking stomach. I'm like, yo, what the hell is up with this dude? You know? What is really, really wrong with this dude? Now, again, the... the ex- yes, yes, Donnie. That's that's the next part. The problem is, I understand why everybody likes Baron Corbin. He fits, you know, he fits all the typical things that we would like. Cool tattoos, 
badass entrance, shitty wrestling. And Quark, first point, first point, Donnie says low point, Rhino jobbing out. Quark says Baron Corbin is fucking awesome. I mark out every time, no idea why, but he's the big bad wolf. See that? What Quark just said is everything that they want. The guy looks, you know, he looks the part from this up, you know, from the middle of his chest up. It's like, yo, that's a scary fucking dude. But you put that guy in the ring and you're like, you know, it's just a sloppy, sloppy mess. Again, not to say that Baron Corbin does not have the potential to be a superstar, but at this juncture, he just doesn't work well with established guys because Rhino was trying his hardest to carry him in that match. And even though they had really, really good spots, Baron Corbin, I just, like, well, like when I first saw him, I was like, yo, Baron Corbin should just wrestle with the vest on. Because, when you know, he has the really cool vest, the awesome entrance, the really cool music with the badass guitar riff. Everything works until he puts his feet inside that ring. Once he gets in there, it's it's pretty much the Krang robot wrestling. I'm, I'm like, ah, oh, man. And it's a shame because, again, the guy looks the part. He looks it. But, like I said, between the Krang stomach and just a really, really awkward moveset. But then again, you're talking about a guy who feuded with Bull Dempsey, who I don't give a fuck what anybody says. That guy fucking sucks. Quark says he's a new age Ryback. Give him time and he will join him in the sun. <laughs> Quark's in the chat room fucking waxing poetic, poetic fucking anecdotes about, about uh, Baron Corbin. Again, I don't hate the guy, but I understand why he's in NXT and why he's going to be in NXT for the foreseeable future. Because that guy is the epitome of all look and no substance. You know, all it's like body like Tarzan fights like Jane. It just just doesn't work. Not yet. It, it, you know, maybe he, maybe he needs to get like a tummy tuck or something so that he doesn't look like he has Krang in his fucking stomach, but everything else is all right. Everything else about him is all right. You know, like I said, the entrance, the, the, the cool jacket, the tattoos are really sick, but you put him in the ring and you're just like, Oh God, that's just bad. It's all it is. I don't hate the guy. I don't, I really do not loathe Baron Corbin. I actually hated CJ Parker. CJ Parker was the fucking worst. And I'm glad he's gone. Also on that list is Mojo Rawley. I don't get hype. I stay hype. Stay the fuck off my TV. Because you are garbage. It's another guy. He sucks. It was funny because during Triple H's conference call about NXT, he was saying, you know, there's going to be guys that are going to come up to the main roster. And then there are guys that won't make it. And I'm like, Mojo Rawley, top of that list. That motherfucker won't make it. Knowing, knowing my luck, I will be proven wrong within the next year, but I'd like to think not. Anyway, another low point, Blake and Murphy, as much as they try to get the dubstep brothers over, those guys are the fucking worst. It's like Enzo Amore has more, has more presence in his two fingers than those two guys have as tag team champions. And while I understand from a story perspective that you know they they they're going to they they're going to do what they can to retain the belts they are fucking terrible when they put the belts on them after they beat the lucha dragons i was like wait a minute wait a minute 
you lost to what's essentially high voltage, the NXT version of high voltage, like really, really shitty, cool looking tag teams that have cool music and that's it. I'm like, all right, these guys are okay. And then as I watch them, I'm like, wow, these guys fucking suck. And then out of nowhere, they put Alexa Bliss with them. And I said, they need all the fucking help they can get. Those two guys need all the help they can get to get over. And of course, this is going to lead to the inevitable six-person tag matches between them, Enzo, Kaz, and Carmella. We know that's where it's going to go, and it's fine, but man, do those guys suck. (laughs) I'm going to quote what Quark just wrote. First, Donnie called them the Hollywood Blondes. Nice reference. Quark writes, love those two fuckballs. Blake and Murphy, are they're such college douchebags. They're tag team Seth Rollins. I understand where Quark is going, but, but comparing them to Seth Rollins is fucking, you got brass balls for that, dude, because Seth Rollins is in a category on his own. Seth, Ro- Seth Rollins is such a fucking bad villain that people have made montages of his laughter. I kid you not, there's there's montages on YouTube of Seth Rollins' laughter. It is without a doubt some of the craziest shit. Like people are like, oh shit, you know, let's uh let's um get out there and 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 ha- make a montage of Seth Rollins laughing for 20 minutes. Uh <laughs> I understand where Quark is coming from, but for me personally, I just I don't I, I don't dig them. I think I think they're okay, you know, they're passable, but in terms of sticking out and being memorable and being unique, they are definitely not it. So definitely not not a fucking high point. Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch. This, my friends, this match, if I could give it the highest of high points, it is because I said that these ladies were going to steal the show. And they did not disappoint. Great storytelling. Amazing spots. And just a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous output from both women. I'm talking about great offense, good storytelling, ring psychology. You name it, we got it in this match. Now, I have no idea why Becky Lynch came out looking like Kim Possible. I don't know. I don't know why her hair looks like the color of carrot juice. (laughs) No fucking clue. But... You know, taking that or why she came out dressed like somebody from Assassin's Creed, no big deal. But in terms of wrestling, these ladies were without a doubt top of the food chain. If I were the divas on the on the main roster right now, I would be scared of what's coming out of NXT. Charlotte, Bailey, Sasha Banks, um, Becky Lynch, even Alexa Bliss is passable. It is it is it is serious business in the women's division. Serious business down there. It, it you know, Quark says I don't want Raw to ruin her. And, you know, in reference to Sasha Banks, it's true. If 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 it was a if it was a matter of me saying Sasha Banks or Becky Lynch to the main roster or keeping them in NXT, I would keep them in NXT because creative cannot deliver the goods when it comes to women's wrestling. I've said this before, I will say it again. Creative, when it comes to women's wrestling on the main roster, sucks. Garbage. 
NXT's women's wrestling is as good, if not better, than some of the stuff that I've seen on TNA and on the and on the independents. It is amazing the stories and and the work that went into that match, and the finish was 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 equally impressive. You know, it's 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 ridiculous. Sasha Banks definitely has all the makings of 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 a legit threat on the on the raw roster. Her, Charlotte, Becky Lynch, Bailey, they gotta they gotta be ready for this. I don't know what Sarah Del Rey is training is doing with these chicks down there, but she is doing an amazing job. But then again, Sarah Del Rey is an amazing wrestler herself. And she is the trainer in NXT. So if you're not if you're not well versed in indie wrestling, look up some of Sarah Del Rey's matches and you'll understand why the women in NXT are so good. Because Sarah Del Rey is not a is not a joke. Not a joke. You know, it's um like I said, great storytelling, an amazing match. You know, Quark says best women's match of all time. It's it's tough to disagree. The only match that I could probably say was was as good was Taryn Terrell and Gail Kim in the ladder match and Gail Kim's Gail Kim's matches with Awesome Kong and TNA which were which were amazing, real hardcore style stuff. But in terms of NXT's matches, that match was head and shoulders above most of the stuff I've seen within the last 6 months. It was out of this world. Amazing amazing match. Now, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, a high point for a, for a couple of reasons, and people were people were upset with the ending of this match, and I had to I had to I had to explain to a couple of people that Sami Zayn, aka El Generico, and Kevin Owens, aka Kevin Steen, they were there was a time when they feuded in Ring of Honor for almost a year and a half, and people were glued to their seats glued to their seats every every television every tv episode every pay-per-view because we knew that we were going to get an amazing amazing match three things have hurt this feud injuries being number one Sami Zayn once again after the shoulder after the shoulder injury he sustained in his match with Cena yes he was cleared but I think he was only cleared for that match because he 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 is written off. I guarantee you that next Thursday they're going to say Sami Zayn is injured because Sami Zayn went into this match even though doctors cleared him, he was not ready. Not ready. And I understand that. Now, even though you ended that match again just, you know, abruptly, my issue with the with the ending of the match wasn't so much that it ended abruptly, it was the fact that they didn't even stop the match. The only thing that stopped the match was William Regal getting involved and security to keep Kevin Owens from quote unquote killing Sami Zayn? Now people people have to realize that there's a, a bigger story being told because the story between Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens transcends most regular conventional storytelling, and the reasoning is because these guys their store their fates are intertwined. I, we've talked about this on a couple of other shows that there's on, there are there are a handful of wrestlers whose fates are intertwined with their opponents, and I say this because every time one is mentioned on one hand, the other is mentioned on the other. Let me let me explain. Whenever whenever you talk about The Rock, you talk about 
Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's that simple. Because those guys' names are intertwined. Whenever you talk about John Cena, depending on who you ask, most times they'll say either The Rock or CM Punk. Again, fates are intertwined because the stuff that those two people put together was magic. You know? It, it's it's one of those things where, where those guys, their fates are, are, you know, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Their fates are intertwined from beginning to the middle to the end. That's how it is. With Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, that is how it's going to be. These guys are going to feud in NXT, and it's going to be amazing. Minus injuries. These guys are going to come up to the main roster, and they're going to blow everybody's minds when they, when they feud on the main roster on a bigger stage. That's, that's just how it's going to be. Now... I understand, you know, Quark saying that it was NXT unbookable. I understand <clears throat> why they went the way they went. Because I have a feeling that even though Sami Zayn was cleared, I have a nagging suspicion that he wasn't really cleared for this match. Meaning that doctors said, you know, you could go out there and have the match, but you can't have a full match. It's not like Hideo Itami where they're like, yo, dude, you can't go at all. That's why I'm always I'm always subjective when it comes to I'm always um I'm always uh suspect when it comes to you know they're cleared to wrestle because that whole clearance to wrestle when it comes to that it could just be a guy saying yo you're good for like 15 minutes but that's it and you can see the way that the match was going that that was how it was going to end I knew it was going to end that way just because they've been talking about Sami Zayn's injury the entire time now William Regal getting headbutted by by Kevin Owens is something that needs to be addressed next week because in essence you put your hands on the authority figure of the company. Now, smart booking, smart booking would would lead to Kevin Owens being stripped of the belt, but he would in turn beat John Cena and then get the US title, which again would allow him to talk more shit. Again, this is this is logical booking, but I have a feeling that they're just going to try and and write it off or or Regal's going to get in his face or something crazy's going to happen, but they're not going to pull the trigger from a storyline standpoint the way that you would want. Now, of course, mark out moment of the night, Samoa Joe's music hitting and Samoa Joe debuting on NXT. Now, People people have different opinions on this. Me, as someone who's followed Samoa Joe's career for quite a long time, from, from Ring of Honor to TNA, now to NXT, I I have to say that Samoa Joe, if, if Kevin Owens is coming up to the main roster, then leaving NXT in the capable hands of Samoa Joe is okay. Samoa Joe... Not only did he look in great shape and he's going to get in better shape because, hello, that's how it goes. But I have a feeling that matches between Zayn and Joe, Owens and Joe, Finn Balor and any of those guys, uh, Tyler Breeze and any of those guys are going to steal the show for the rest of the summer. Again, the only the only issue I have is Sami Zayn being injured. And the and the issue I have with that is is that Sami Zayn's injury prevents us from enjoying the work that him and Kevin Owens are going to put together in that ring. That's it. As a wrestling fan, I enjoyed it, and I'll tell you why. 
Nobody knew that Samoa Joe was going to be there. Yeah, there were rumors and stuff, but in an era where there's spoilers and people are instantly saying, oh, Samoa Joe, I saw him at an airport. It was so well done and it was so well executed. Again, that's how you debut. And yeah, we got the face-to-face and everybody marked out and that was great. But in the grand scheme of things, it really, and you know, I, I can understand what Quark was saying. They set up more than they concluded. And, you know, we'll see where it goes. But in terms of just overall product, I was thoroughly impressed with NXT. Again, it's, it's, it's a long stretch for what's, you know, a, what's essentially minor league baseball. So definitely kudos to those guys. A lot of really, really great, great matches that night. Again, not flawless, but pretty damn good overall. If you don't have the WWE Network, do yourselves a favor. Pick it up for the original programming and for NXT. You will not regret it. All right, let's switch gears. Let's jump into SmackDown, which I actually watched in its entirety. Again, SmackDown, definitely not one of the better shows. Um, We got a Four Corners tag match, which... Again, pretty decent. I think it's just a warm-up, obviously, for the Elimination Chamber. The Lucha Dragons definitely looked really good in that match. I liked the way it went. I felt that the Lucha Dragons really had a chance to shine because I think that after they called them up, they kind of got lost in the shuffle. I also think that tag teams are, the tag team division is going to get even crazier when the Usos are back because, obviously, you know one of them got injured and he's on the shelf. And I don't know if they're going to use the other one in sing- in a singles capacity or if they're just going to keep him off TV till his brother gets better. We'll see what the case is. I know he's been in a couple of different tag teams with Zack Ryder and a couple of different guys, but I'd rather honestly wait and get the Usos together and have them mix it up with guys like the Lucha Dragons and the rest of these other teams. Definitely one of the better matches of the evening. Ziggler and Barrett. Again, a match we've seen a dozen times. It was okay. I'm glad that Dolph Ziggler got the win. Obviously, um, you know, driving the point home of his relationship with Lana, which is all good. You know, it was it was all right. Um, I wasn't digging the uh, the divas the divas match. I really felt that um, you know it just didn't work as good as it should have. I also didn't like that all of a sudden. You know, it's like. It, all all these chicks now are vying for this title. Um, not not something I really liked. It felt really disjointed, the segment. It could have been better, but it is what it is. You know, it's SmackDown. Stardust and R-Truth, I, I got no words because I'm tired. I'm tired of them not doing anything with Stardust after all they work they put into that character. And I'm tired of R-Truth, who is a really, really good wrestler, being relegated to just bullshit squash matches or matches that are complete garbage. So... That's where I stand with that. But I do have to say one of the high points, the fucking meta powers. Um, Macho Mandow and Axelmania, tremendous, tremendous. I think that if they really wanted to drive this home, you would have get a diva to be their Miss Elizabeth and, you know, just have Curtis Axel wearing the different colors and have them cut promos in the same style that Hogan and Savage did when they were the when they were the Meta Powers, the Mega Powers, uh, <clears throat> the Mega Powers. Excuse me. Um, I just think that that's one of those one of those gimmicks that even though on paper and on television it looks like complete stupidity, if you really put it together right, 
it has the potential to deliver an amazing, amazing payoff. So I'm, I'm serious. Putting Sandow, you know, Ma- well, Macho Mandow together with Axelmania has the makings of comedy gold and really, really good moments for both guys. But again, you got to pull the trigger right and you got to utilize them correctly. Otherwise, it's going to blow up in your face. Now, the other, the other, and I don't even want to say it was a low point, but I do feel that Bray Wyatt and, and Dean Ambrose never got a feud that was as long as it should have been. So seeing them go out there and mix it up while it's great, I do feel that it, it could have been better. You know, I think that, that a feud between Ambrose and Wyatt could have gone on a lot longer than it should have. And whenever I see them mix it up, I feel that we're only just scratching the surface of something that have, could, could have potentially been great. Now, again, a decent SmackDown, not terrible, but could have been better. I'm curious to see what they're going to do with SmackDown when it's moved to the USA Network. I'm sure that they're going to step it up. They're going to definitely try their hardest to make sure that SmackDown is just as good. I wouldn't be shocked if within the next few years, SmackDown moves to the network as well with Raw being the only show on television. I'd, I'd have no problem with it. And I'm sure that that could happen if the network numbers keep going up. We'll see how that goes. But overall, definitely not a bad week in wrestling whatsoever. Uh, the only thing I did want to say with regards to MMA, of course, um, Cormier and Rumble Johnson are this weekend, as are Vitor and Chris Weidman. So definitely be on the lookout for that. We'll be discussing that next week. Last bit of stuff to wrap things up. I did want to address the wrestling news of the week, which, um, you know, I, I do feel that this week with all the craziness going on on NXT and on SmackDown and on Raw and everything else, um, you know, there, there were, there were other news stories that were, that were just as good, if not equally better that needed to be discussed. The first and foremost being, uh, some developments with WWE studios. They actually got a cash infusion to allow them to put out more movies. Now, WWE studios has put out the call and Oculus and they're partnering up with, um, Gene Simmons, Erebus pictures to create a horror label to put out horror movies as well. So I'm curious, I'm curious to see what this influx of cash is going to do. And if we're actually going to get better movies again, the WWE movies that have been put out thus far, most of them have been pretty fucking terrible, but I think that if they're really going to embrace this and they're going to use this as a vehicle for their superstars, I think that they're, they're, they should try to go outside of the typical bullshit stories that they've done. I mean, I think that See No Evil with Kane was probably one of their better, you know, one of their better projects. And I really like the sequel, too. I actually think that Kane, if Kane were to retire tomorrow, he'd do very well as a horror actor. He has the look. He has the presence. To, to really pull that off. So again, you know, big, big ups to, you know, WWE for really pushing this WWE studios project where it goes. And if it leads to better films, well, that remains to be seen. Now, the other rumor I wanted to address this week, of course, was the big rumor that TNA impact was canceled. As of right now, it is not canceled as of yet. A lot of rumors floating around, a lot of strong rumors that TNA Impact, Destination America, used their clause to get out of their contract and are, in essence, 
going to cancel TNA Impact in September. This comes off the heels of the announcement that TNA Impact was moving to Wednesdays because the ratings for Friday were not that good. I hate to say it, but wrestling on Fridays is usually a recipe for disaster. Nobody's going to do it. Nobody. You got to either do it Wednesday or Thursday. SmackDown obviously is moving to Wednesday. I believe they're going to be moving to Wednesdays at some point when they move to USA. That's the rumor. But, um, you know, moving Impact to Wednesdays, their only competition is NXT, which, again, you could DVR Impact and watch NXT and, you know, you'll be okay. I personally feel that right now, you know, they're moving Impact to Wednesdays starting June 3rd. Maybe that'll reverse this this crazy trend. But I also feel that Destination America, which is a network nobody even gave a fuck about, was trying to push too much of their agenda on TNA. Like they they requested Kurt Angle be champion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that, you know, Donnie says that wrestling in TNA on TNA is a recipe for disaster. I got to admit that most of the wrestling hasn't been terrible. It definitely could be better. I mean, it's not better than Lucha Underground. Lucha Underground is killing it right now. But again, in terms of, of, of the roster that they have, you would expect TNA to give us better matches. I think the high points thus far from the, the, the TNA episodes I've been seeing are the knockouts and their X division as usual. Their knockouts and their X division, their mid card and their main card, shit. Their X division and tag team and, um, you know, women's division, solid. But again, that's not going to be enough to to keep a network like Destination America, which is trying to get noticed, from keeping the product active. Again, right now, TNA's cancellation is a rumor that has been picking up steam over the last couple of days. If I got something concrete next week, of course, I will report it here. The only other, the only other things I did want to talk about, which were pretty huge, were if you saw the Payback pre-show, you saw that the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast will be coming back to the WWE Network. And on June 1st, Steve Austin will be sitting down with Paul Heyman. Now, if you've been watching the, the Steve Austin podcast when they've been on the network, you will know that he asked some of the really, really great questions. He really puts a lot, a lot of stuff out there, a lot of inside information. And I think that when he sits down with, you know, with the architect of ECW, with Brock Lesnar's advocate, we're going to get an interview that many of us will not forget for the foreseeable future. I'm looking forward to it. That's going to be Monday, June 1st at 11 p.m. Eastern on the WWE Network. This obviously also pretty much uh, confirms that Stone Cold and WWE have worked out their differences because we had been seeing Chris Jericho's podcast on the network. Now we see Stone Cold back in the saddle. Now, does this mean that we're going to see the Steve Austin podcast on the regular along with Chris Jericho's? We'll see what happens, but I think that Stone Cold, considering how well he is, how, how awesome his interviews are, I'm sure that this is going to be something we're going to be seeing for the foreseeable future. Again, mark this down on your calendars. Stone Cold Steve Austin on, on uh, the WWE Network will be sitting down with Paul Heyman. Now, I saw that there was a call in the, in the queue Slick, did you happen to check that call that was in the queue and see if that was anybody that needed to be in there? Anyone? No one? Slick, let me know if um, you saw that call or not. Ah, thank you, sir. I don't think they're in the queue anymore, but I did see a call before. Quark says, fuck Jericho, dude's a phony. You know what the thing is? If I had to compare podcasts, 
and I've been doing this lately, which is which is something I try not to do. But and I've mentioned this before. I try not to listen to podcasts that cover the stuff we cover. But I've been listening to 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 guys like Stone Cold and Chris Jericho because these guys they really have really good interview skills. But I'll say this: Stone Cold definitely is the better interviewer because I always feel that Jericho tries to put himself over more than he should during his interviews, which is weird. I mean, I understand it's part of his persona, but I always feel that it takes away from the really, really good stories that could be told by his guests. So I understand where Quark is coming from because it does come off phony and disingenuous. On the contrary, if anything, I would like to see more of Stone Cold doing doing a podcast because I think... Um, it's something that's that's gonna be really really good. I um I gotta check. Uh, I think someone sent me a message that's trying to call in. We'll see what the deal is with that. But as I said, I don't think I don't think that Chris Jericho having a show on there on a consistent basis is gonna be good for him because, like I said, a lot of people, much like what Quark said, feel that Jericho's interview skills and just his his persona come off as rather phony. So, again, we'll see how it pans out, but I am happy to see Stone Cold back in there. I think his his interview with Paul Heyman is going to be one of the best. And um, Slick says, I don't want Stone Cold as a regular on the network. They would try to control the questions. Not really. Stone Cold has full creative control because his podcast on Podcast One is his. Um, the questions that he asked Vince McMahon, none of that was... He he didn't filter any of that. All of that was asked off the cuff, and um, I think that he wouldn't let them do that, and I think that's one of the reasons why him and the WWE were at odds in the first place. It's um, you know, it's the fact that they would, you know, they they would try to go and influence his product, and that's one thing Stone Cold has always prided himself on being an, you know, maintaining his brand and his product, and I think it's something that if he's gonna do. In the long term, I think it would be good only because it would allow people to embrace podcasts as a, as a bigger medium. And the funny thing is, um, a friend of mine said to me, who's a fellow podcaster, he said, the term podcast doesn't even apply anymore because so many people are doing it. It's just on-demand content. And I have to agree with that. I think that networks like Podcast One, networks like, um, like Play It, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, which is getting podcasts, which um, we'll have an announcement about that in a couple of weeks. Uh, the fact remains that more and more of these services are embracing the medium. And I think that embracing the medium of podcasting for a company like the WWE is very good because it allows people to get a different glimpse of their superstars in a more natural setting. So, again, we'll see what happens. I really am looking forward to this Paul Heyman interview. I think we're going to get some amazing, amazing television, and we're going to get some incredible insight from a guy who is considered one of the best. Um, I saw that Jay Jay had wanted to call in, and I just reached out to him. Jay, if you are listening, uh, I know I know you said you reached out and said that you had wanted to, so definitely call in and get your get your voice heard. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was the announcement of entourage guest hosting or guest starring on raw next week it's sad that i can't have jeremy piven once again announce Summerfest. <laughs> what a fucking douchebag 
and I like I like uh, Jeremy Piven in Entourage. I like his character. I like Ari Gold. I know that this is going to be a glorified plug for their movie, but you're also trying to get people interested in the Elimination Chamber, which is Friday on the 29th, and you're going to do the Entourage guys and get them into what exactly? Who knows? In any case, last bit before I, I bring Jay in, a couple of things that came out of Triple H's conference call. Uh, Matt Bloom, who many of you know as Tensai or Jason Albert, is officially now the head coach in NXT. Sarah Amato, a.k.a. Sarah Del Rey, is the number two trainer and the assistant head coach. Very, very good news. Um, Triple H talked about the ESPN E60 special, which they are going to be repeating. So definitely check your local cable provider and check it out because it was amazing. Also, WWE's 24-hour special on Roman Reigns was incredibly well done. Um, You know, considering how they've done some of that stuff for boxing on HBO and with the UFC's uh, fight card buildups, I think WWE did a good job with it. And it really gave you a lot of great insight into Roman Reigns as a performer. So I am looking forward to more specials like that. Like I said, if you haven't seen E60, definitely give it a watch because you'll get a newfound appreciation for a guy, you know, a guy like Adam Rose and his incredible story. So check it out if you haven't already. So the Elimination Chamber as of right now, King Barrett, R-Truth, Ryback, Rusev, Sheamus, and Dolph Ziggler for the IC title. For the tag team titles, the New Day, Primetime Players, Lucha Dragons, the Ascension, Cesaro and Kid, and the Matatodes for your tag team titles are going to be in the chamber. Rollins will defend his belt against Ambrose. The Divas title match, Nikki Bella versus Naomi versus Paige. If Naomi doesn't win this one, I'm just I'm just going to be horrified. Odds are they'll probably put it on Paige. And of course, John Cena and Kevin Owens. Last but not least, last bit of wrestling news before I bring Jay on and we wrap things up. Ring of Honor's uh, former Ring of Honor booker and NWA heavyweight champion Adam Pearce has signed with the WWE as a full-time coach and producer. So once again, another great Ring of Honor standout joins the WWE machine. All right, I see Mr. Santee's on the line. Let me bring him in real quick. Jay Santee, what's the deal? I would just like to be the front runner out there to say that I'm pushing for the hashtag I am a ride backer. I am going for Ryback in the Elimination Chamber. You're going for Ryback, huh? Yes, I am a Ryback supporter. I am I'm going to push that all my Rybackers go out there on Twitter and push that <laughs> hashtag I am a Rybacker. <laughs> I am I I'm honestly going to say that I can see them putting the IC title on Rusev for a feud with Ziggler. That would be the logical choice, but I also am not buying into the whole Lana and Dolph, uh, Dolph Ziggler uh, pairing. I'm seeing a screw job come along the way, so that would be a logical choice. But I think Ryback is is is, is has made his bones to prove that he is up there in the in the in the tier of intercontinental standouts, and I think he should be the champ. All right, fair enough. What did you think of uh, Payback? Payback was actually one of those that I went into thinking that, yeah, another one of these 2.0 to 2.5 rolls. Right. But I was extremely wrong, and yep. I was ex- 
excited about the ending and all and all that went down with it. I was not disappointed at all at any amount of the match, of any of those matches. All right. I you know, like I said, I had my, my, my fair share of gripes, but it's all good. Now, do you feel do you feel that Raw did a good job on Monday night with the with the continued angle advancement? Like I said, Ambrose Ambrose solidifying and pushing his way into that match really just made no sense from the way it was executed. I mean, it's not to say that he doesn't deserve an opportunity, but just the way it went down just looked incredibly disjointed. Well, I think what it is is it's, it's one of those moments in which WWE creative is trying to whet the appetites of the fans. Mm-hmm. You know, they're trying to give them the the the, the, the happy ending, uh, the, the reach around. But we know <laughs> at the end of the day, we're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna give him the belt. No, nope. not even give him remotely close to any type of freaking strap for any time. No, nope. but I am looking to see that you know with money in the bank coming up, if they will actually you know. Taste, give us a taste of possibly giving him that suitcase. If not, his payoff is going to come later because the boy, I mean the man, the, whatever he wants to be considered, the man-child <laughs> is one of those guys who once he gets on the screen, he draws us in and yep. we want to hear everything. Well, you know, that's what I was saying before you called in, that I said that certain superstars, their fates are intertwined. In other words, one guy's success is measured on his matches and, and the other guy's success. I said that, and I referenced, you know, Stone Cold and The Rock, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, and even now with, with Steen and Owens, those guys, their fate is intertwined all the way to the end. I see that, you know, when it comes to the big name guys, a lot of times, you know, we, we, we've known them, even like Stone Cold, when we knew him when he was with the Hollywood Blondes in WCW, as right. his ring technician. You know, once he went to WWE, that ring technician thing was out the door. He became this entity. Yep. Rocky, the same thing. He, we knew him as this guy with moves on top of moves. And as soon as The Rock presented himself, it was all about the presence. The same thing is happening with Ambrose. Although Sepp is, you know, is, is becoming that, 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 that star that's, that's going to shine bright, he doesn't exude that. You can see that he's doing it more in the ring than he is doing it on the mic. Although his mic has gotten much better. Dude, his in villainous laugh is the, the best. Indies, he, it, yeah, I mean, in the <laughs> Indies, you know, when he was kind of black, he was out there, he was just being him. You know, WWE, you have to do something different. Yep. With Dean, you still see Moxley. Moxley can't do what he did on WWE, but you still see that sense yep. of Moxley there. That's right. But that's what I mean. Like, his fate, like Ambrose and, and Rollins, those guys are going to be fighting for the next 10 years, you know? Yeah, you could see you could see like there's a longevity there. The only thing that I I worry about when it comes to guys like that is how WWE is going to give them that you know that shine. You know, right. so a lot of these guys they get lost in the shuffle, especially now. The fans are starting to get what they want, but remember you 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 pay for what you're asking for. Now right. you're getting the Owens, you're getting the Zanes, you get you know you're getting these guys who. Were in you know in in, in these these infirmaries and, and bingo halls fighting and, and tearing it up. Now they got to the main stage, but now that the guys that you wanted to see all together come together, they might be getting pushed to the side. Yep. Well, that's so, the thing. You know, you you know you're asking what you're paying for. No, I I get what you're saying, but here's here's a funny thing with that. Steen Steen and and Owen, well Steen and El Generico feuded for what was about a year and a half, right? Give or take. 
Yes, no. And they, 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 I, no, 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 yeah. Sorry, is that what it is? Is that, I'm looking at longer than that. They're, right. Elgin Medical and Owens, I mean, they tore it up in, you know, Ring of Honor. They tore it up in PWS. Right. They tore it up, you know, in, in Cali. They went to CW, uh, CZW. I mean, this has been longevity. Right. And but for them to come to NXT and do what they're about to do yep. and, and, and going to recreate the magic, you know, I think we're starting to put too much ingredients in one pot, and it might, you know, it might be a little bit too much where other guys are going to we, we might not. We might not be wanting too much of that. Well, I also think that the necessity to give us something fresh is forcing some of these guys to push too hard and get hurt. Because think about it. After after Zayn had his match with Owens the first time and he took that month off, his shoulder was hurt and he didn't get the surgery. Now he hurt his shoulder again in the match with Cena and he's everybody's saying he's going to need the surgery. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like these do guys. Think, do you really think it's that really that serious though? Because I'm... I'm trying to, you know, for some reason, I, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those that's probably the optimist as well, that's thinking that that could be a work as well. Because although you said, you know, and, you, know I, you were saying earlier with the whole clearance thing, yep. you know, that they make the quote-unquote clearance, you know, he kind of, he went kind of hard at, at that match last night. Right. Like, it, but, it, it wasn't, he, wasn't, he didn't pull any punches. Right, but but there's also a matter of the, the, le- the severity of the injury. Like, Hideo Itami, they pretty much said he tore his rotator cuff. When you tear, like, I had a micro tear in my rotator cuff, and I could still do shit, but I couldn't lift my hand over my head, and I had to sleep with, like, my shoulder hanging off the bed. Like, you could still do, that's what I mean. Like, the clearance was probably like, yo, you could do something, but don't wall out. But again, you know, you get out there, the adrenaline, the pain doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm and with that, I want to go off and say that. You know, I, I'm I'm really gonna put all that on the scheduling wise because, I mean, these guys are on the road 300 yep. plus days, and you know you you gotta understand that you putting you putting 60, 65, 70 people on the road tearing up shows day in yep. day out. These injuries are gonna happen. Yep, they really need to start pulling back on their schedule and. And that's, this is why we're losing a Daniel Bryan for the freaking game. And, you know, you get Sami Zayn. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Tommy just got there. He's already, you know, he, yep. he might have been having nagging injuries since Japan. But even so, like, he just got there. That's it. That's exactly it. Well, a lot of people are saying, you know, NXT is touring now. So, you know, it's like, damn, you know, you got NXT touring now. And Triple H was like, yeah, we're probably going to do two shows a weekend with, you know, a big show on a Saturday and then a lighter show with the with the less experienced guys on Sunday. But again, once you start factoring traveling into the mix, now now those guys are going on the road. You know, it's not just let me get in my car and drive down to full sail, you know, Wednesday morning to do NXT. Now it's let me let me go and tape NXT Wednesday and go to the airport Friday to go to wherever Saturday, to drive to wherever Sunday, and then be back, you know, next, you see what I'm saying? So you are right. I think there is a a, a degree of, of injury probability that's increasing with stuff like this. I would also like to see if it um, this this is going to affect the productivity of the women in, uh, in NXT because, you know, how the Divas and the, the Bellas and such and, they were all talking about, well, you know, they have enough time to prep because their schedule is not as rigorous as ours. So now I would like to see how if this also becomes 
you know, the reasoning why NXT's women are better than the WWE's women to see if that affects it as well with the, with the schedule being increased. Well, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I want to, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because it gives me a, an outlet to say the following. Yes, the, the women in NXT have more time. But if you're shitty in the ring, 15 minutes of shit and five minutes of shit are still shit. You get what I'm saying? Like, you know, oh, they got more time. Yes, but you two are garbage. So if 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 you need whatever more color, time. Whatever color you paint shit, it's still shit. That's it, man. Dude, they, they, you know, the Bellas, try, they try to make a chicken salad out of chicken shit with them. Not, not They've been better. Don't get me wrong. They've been better. But, dude, they've been garbage. They were garbage as of late. It, it wasn't until, I think, maybe six months ago that Nikki Bella looked remotely passable and Brie Bella's decent. But get the fuck out of here. Oh, you know, they got more time. They're, NXT is one hour. One. One hour. And, yeah, maybe they get a 10-minute match. But, again, they're down there training with Sarah Del Rey. She's doing a good job down there. Maybe they need to send the Bellas to train with her. Do you imagine that it, it got it had gotten so bad that you had Emma, who was in NXT, who was pulling off decent matches to go to the main roster to destroy what the hell she was trying to do up there to for her to scurry back to NXT? Does that does that tell you something? Well, dude, I laughed that the announcer pretty much was like, "Yeah, she stole Bella. She stole Bailey's T-shirt and Bailey's headband. You know, man, that's considered a misdemeanor." I'm like, "Yo, they really just straight clowned her." <laughs> For the thievery. I was like, oh, shit. That's bad news. By the way, by the way have you noticed Have you noticed on, on, on the paper or the, 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 the NXT Unstoppable that Corey Graves is now working the heel commentator mode? Yep, he is definitely working more towards the heel side. And I like how he's like, yeah, well, you know, she had it rough. I'm like, yo, man, come on. Corey Graves, you, you are not a heel commentator. You, if, if anybody should be a heel commentator, it's fake-ass Carlton Banks. <laughs> when he made the comment of um, uh, I was going down the Jersey Turnpike and I needed a tetanus shot. <laughs> yo, I'm like, I'm like, yo, what? He's, he's trying to, he's trying to thread into JBL territory. Yep, it was, it was interesting, but it, he, it didn't, it didn't seem in character for him. You know, it's, 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 you know, one of those things where, and I, and I'll be honest, and Triple H said it during the conference call. He was like, yo, I went down there and and worked with creating NXT. Because I my goal was to make NXT the best that it could be, and and you know what, it, Vince Vince has no involvement, zero involvement in that shit. He said it on numerous occasions. He goes, "Yo, Vince went to see NXT a live event during WrestleMania weekend, and he was blown away because he had never seen it." Think about it. How long is NXT? It, it, it reminds you. It reminds you of like your father giving you. Or, or, or your mentor giving you this pet project. Right. He's like, you know, I train these dogs. I'm going to give you this poodle. I want to see if you can make it into a pit bull. That's it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it becomes the most biggest dog on the block. But it, it, it's funny because it's not even fair to even compare this to me. Look at what, you know, Triple H has. He has, you know, William Regal. He has... You know, he has he has the 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 New Age Outlaws as trainers. He has you know Dusty as helping the book. Like it's it's not you have an all star team there. It's not fair. I know, but that's what but that's the kind of shit I'm talking about. You know, Slick said earlier on in the show he was like 
you know, and and they and Quark said it too. Quark was like, "Yo, I don't want Sasha Banks to go up to the main roster because yo, they're gonna fucking make her an asshole." And I'm like, "Yeah, because <laughs> it's true." Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but I'll you tell know, you this: they're just gonna they're gonna take the Banks off her name. They're gonna call her Sasha. Yep. They're gonna make her like a hairdresser. You know, uh, the, exactly like <laughs> some shit like that. Uh, it, I, I'm even more afraid of what they'll do to my boys, um, Enzo and Big Cass, if they ever get the call up. Oh, oh my God! Can you imagine how they'll water them down? I tell I tell you this: when when I, when Samoa Joe debuted last night, we were I was joking about it today, and I said, "See, Triple H knows how to do a debut." Had it been Vince, Samoa Joe would have came out with a giant tiki mask and a grass skirt. Yeah, you know, it had a bunch of spear truckers behind him yep. and shit. Yep. You're going to be the <laughs> Samoan the way, Savage. By the way, that theme music that he had was dreadful. I'm sorry. Oh, it was, it was I'm hoping down the line they're going to give him version two. Well, you know what it is? That was that, like generic track on WWE 2K15. Like, that seriously. Like generic track 13, 13. Well, you know what was funny? I think they were trying to go for the for the subtle Godzilla but all I heard was like, <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Because like I said, I, I avoided I avoided Facebook and I felt bad because Ben had tagged me in something. And after I after I looked at my phone after NXT was over, it was a picture of Samoa Joe. I was just like, oh, shit. I'll give, you, no, I'll give you a quick one about that one. A friend of mine who just recently got into the whole NXT, mind you, he's had the network for some time now since since we first signed up. Anyway, he just gets in and he writes on me, he writes to me on Facebook and he says, NXT is freaking awesome, right? Cool. Down this, I'm getting right. hit with notifications. All of a sudden I see, yeah, when Samoa Joe came out, it was great, some other person. And I'm like, fucking spoiler alert. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm like, like, come on, Really? And it, and that's the thing, but you know what the, you know what's good about it that Samoa Joe and and this this just shows, dude, the belief in in the WWE machine. Cause dude, Samoa Joe came out and he had a crispy fresh shirt on that's on Shop Zone already. By the way, use our promo code <laughs> WWE Save Ten if you want to get it. <laughs> but um, dude, he had his crispy shameless plug. That's it, dude had his T-shirt ready, and that's what I mean. Like, let's be honest. And, and, you know, we'll bring it home and wrap things up. But let's be honest. Vince McMahon would not have signed Samoa Joe. No way. Exactly. No, 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 please. Vince McMahon would not have signed Kevin Steen. No. And this is, well, now that you mentioned that, Joe is getting in shape. Yep. Looking, looking tremendous. I want to know how is it that Joe has to be the one that gets in shape. And it's just like Steen look the way Steen just freaking looks. Like, how did oh, Kevin Owens look like that? Yeah, but... Like, fuck it, we're not going to be able to change him. Yeah, but Kevin Owens, and this is something that, you know, you got to remember, dude, when he was in Ring of Honor, he was a big dude. Yeah, but he still got it to a point where there's like, you know, we've heard the rumors of what they did with, with, with um, Chris Hero. It was like, you know, we got to get you in shape. And he's like, fuck you. I wonder if, like, Steen just went in there and said, listen... If you guys are gonna give me that fucking Chris Hero shit, I'm, I don't need to sign up with you. Yep. Guys. Fuck that. Well, I'm sure I'm sure that was part of it, but also the fact that there's a sense of individuality because you look at a guy like Kevin Owens as a regular dude. You know what I mean? And I and I was talking about this a couple of weeks back. I'm like, you look at Daniel Bryan, you look at Kevin Owens, you look at most of these guys, and 
yes, you, 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 they're superstars. But if you're a young kid that's kind of thinking, oh, you know, I want to be a professional wrestler someday, yeah, you're going to look at those larger-than-life personas, but you're also going to gravitate towards motherfuckers that look like you. Yeah, and, and, just, <laughs> and just on that note, I had, like, I had, especially Owen, because he pretty much has the same dad bod as I have, but um, what he did on Raw, and I'll, I'll shout out to the Keith himself, because he wasn't a, a big Owens guy. Right. What he did on Raw brought him in. He's like, yep. okay, I can get it now. I, I can get into the fold now with what, 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 what Owens is doing. Dude, that guy has being a smarmy prick to a science. <laughs> to a fucking science. Yeah, I mean, seriously, he, he speaks as though, like, generally, like, if you went to work with the guy on the construction site and he was like, I'm not picking up that two by four. Fuck that. I'm with a union. I'm not doing that shit. Yep. Like he speaks to us. Yep. I like when the interviewer, and that's good because nobody does that often when he's like, Hey Kevin, sorry to interrupt. And he's like, you're not sorry. You did it anyway. You know, like shit like that, (laughs) like shit like that is real heel shit that nobody looks at as a big deal. But like for us that are longtime fans, we're like, Oh shit. You know, that's some real, like, like legit, like, yeah, you are interrupting me. I'm trying to get ready for this match. What the fuck do you want, you know? You could you could tell when creative comes with the paper, and they're like, okay, Kevin, we're going to need you to hit these points, and he just looks at the paper and goes, I, I, I'm going to wipe my ass with this. I'll check you out later. Yeah. Same thing with Dean. The whole thing when Dean was doing a promo with Kane, and he looked at Kane, and he's like, you're not supposed to be drinking on the job. What's wrong with you? Yep. <laughs> well, you know you know what was funny? Dean Ambrose, and I, and I said this before, and you may agree, Dean Ambrose is a, is essentially the Deadpool of the WWE. <laughs> what a reference. Dude, he breaks the fourth wall. He gives no fucks about anything. And, and he has no problem uh, uh, acknowledging the fact that it's grown men in underwear wrestling. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, if, you know, and I hope I, I could go quickly to say about what's going on with TNA, but, um, I'm hoping like guys like Austin Aries and even MVP who can make a return back to, to WWE or even to NXT because those are the, those guys are, are they're cut from that same cloth. Yep. Where it's like screw what the hell you want me to say. I know what I have to say and I know that the fans want me to say this. Dude, that promo that MVP cut about slavery and 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 and, and being black, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I said, yeah, T- I'm like, yeah, TNA's getting canceled next week. <laughs> and, and sure enough. <laughs> then you was like, um, am I sure am I still watching a wrestling program or did I just hit up like C-SPAN or some shit? No, he was, he was super real <laughs> uh, in that promo. And I like that. You know, I think, I think that, that, that guys like that, but here's the, here's the problem. Somebody, somebody was joking around. They said, if if you want to really blow up the wrestling world, the last impact before TNA gets canceled, Triple H walks out. <laughs> oh, they, they, someone did a someone did a meme where it was because a side by side of Vince on one side and Triple H in Panama City. <laughs> Dude, Triple Triple H Triple H in Florida. It's like full sail on one screen with Triple H and like <laughs> William Regal over in in in, in Impact. And it's like, Hell, yeah, we bring just... Shane back again. Let Shane do it, <laughs> dude. It's like, it's like, yo, yeah, we just bought TNA Impact. You all work for us. TNA uh, TNA you know, Impact I... just got purchased by NXT. <laughs> <laughs> I 
went, you know, I, I was, I was having a conversation with the, you know, these, these fanboys in, in social media and then Facebook and such about the whole TNA thing. And I'm sitting there and I, and I said, you guys fail to understand that WWE is not the be all and end all. Yep. And I, this, this is the reason why, like, guys, you know, have to worry about their jobs because you guys think that, you know, just because it's not WWE, it's not good. You know, TNA really doesn't need the American market. TNA is killing internationally. Yep. Their, their revenues is insane out there. That's right. And it's the, the reason why? Because they're wrestling fans over there. They don't give a shit if they're fighting in a freaking six-sided ring, a four-sided ring, or no ring. They just want wrestling. That's right. We, as Americans, are freaking particular about everything. So we need, oh, if it doesn't have a Titantron or explosions or stuff like that, it's not wrestling. That's and I, right. And I told him, I said, this is going to be the reason why promotions like Ring of Honor, Lucha Underground, um, you know, you know, the the Pro Gorilla, you know, they're not going to last long because you guys don't support the product. That's right. I said it. I said it at the top of the show. It's like before NXT became the developmental territory that everybody loves. The best WWE developmental territory was Ring of Honor. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Pretty it wasn't much. Even Ohio Valley. Anymore. Yep, dude. Ring of Honor. Because think about it: Punk, Danielson, Black, Steen, Generico, the Wolves. <laughs> yeah, the, la- the last the last thing that came out of Ohio Valley was was Punk. That was probably the last thing that came out of there. Yep, and he came out of Ohio Valley through Ring of Honor. <laughs> Again, <laughs> good job, guys. Ring of Honor, best developmental territory in the game. Oh, by the way, before you go, did did you did you discuss the the uh, the blog entry in which Vince Russo put up recently? I I didn't discuss it, but I did acknowledge the fact that he said that Vince doesn't know how to create stars, and I've said when I read it, no shit. <laughs> you know, I, I, let me tell you. I wanted to like disagree with him, but and once again, you give a guy a blob and a soapbox, he can make himself sound grand. Yep. But technically, he's sound. It's correct. Yep. He's right about that. But once again, when is the last time Vince has uh, Vince Russo has done anything productive? This is true. But that, but that's him? what, but that's what I mean. It's like yo, it's like pot meat kettle. It's like Vince doesn't know how to create stars. Vince Russo doesn't know how to book shows. Like you know, you know, and then his his last his last thought was about you know your about how Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens were okay. Fine, you're right. They're all homegrown indie guys who already have a fan base. WWE doesn't know how to make their own stars anymore. Why is that? Because the internet freaking wrestling community knows how to fuck that up. Yep, they, they pretty much destroy that. No, we 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 are our own worst enemy. I, we we you and I have talked about this. We are our own worst enemy sometimes. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I am I, I am straight Deadpool breaking the fourth wall. My job is to come on here and talk shit and make you people think. It's called my take radio for a reason. It's my take on the shit. It's not it's not gospel. It's not the end all be all. And I want y'all to disagree with me. I want you to tell me why you think that, you know, Baron Corbin is going to be world heavyweight champion, even though I think that, you know, <laughs> fucking Krang Robot is never going to be fucking champion ever. And, and oh, how we've turned on him so fast. <laughs> I didn't even turn on the dude. You know what the problem is? Like I said, dude, from the belly button up, 
dude looks like a real legit dude. But the minute you see his crang body and, and, and you know that that little bit of that little bit of uh you know that little bit of of of, of stomach fat that like I said looks like Krang's face or like at when and from dust till dawn when all the vampires came out and there was that one vampire that randomly had a fate that had a face inside its stomach that was that was that that's him he's random I'm like yo what is up with your midsection homie like what is really good in there. That man looks like he hasn't seen joy since someone shaked a rattle in his face when he was a baby. That's it. <laughs> Quark says buried is gospel. <laughs> that you 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 could have that moniker. That should be a shirt. Buried is gospel. It should just be two tablets that look like two tablets that look like the tops of shovels. The Ten Commandments of Buried. Thou shalt, thou shalt not boo Baron Corbin. <laughs> By the way, Quirk, Quirk has been very sour and bitter the past couple of weeks with wrestling. So uh, I, I, I'm hoping somewhere on the line someone will bring a smile to his face as well. That's it. Quirk has lost his smile because Baron Corbin is not champion. <laughs> it's okay, Quirk. We understand. But um, on the on a, on the flip side, I did I did got I did have to say this um. To wrap things up, I think that wrestling right now, and you, you you can agree with this or not, I think wrestling this week took a turn towards something new and something unique for everybody. Yeah, I, I, the, the upswing that's happening now, especially when it goes, once again, not only WWE or NXT, it's a, I'm looking at, you know, the, the, the Lucha Underground. I mean, yeah, like, man. Uh, uh you know, you 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 have these promotions that are out there that's really that's really ready to start giving that push, and it's not even about competing. It's just saying, look, we're different, but we want to entertain. You know, yep. hopefully, Ring of Honor is is is, is going to finally solidify to get our legit um, network behind them to give them their show. And once people start seeing that, seeing that on the platform, giving them a little bit more edge, like we're we're going to start seeing more of the swing. But as you said, for this week, like now. You're starting to see the bite come back into wrestling and wrestling fans. There you go. All right. Um, to wrap things up, there's anything you wanted to to announce or promote before we close out? Uh, our friends at House of Glory have a show. Yep. May 29th. That's right. Uh, that'll be at Club Club at Missouri. You guys, uh, check out the House of Glory website for details, ticket prices, and such. Uh, the promotion going out there was Samoa Joe. Uh, we don't know how that's going to look now, but uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah, him him, and Chris Dickinson. Window, yeah, Chris Dickinson. If you guys don't know who that is, look at the video of him powerbombing the hell out of a female. Yep. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot, a lot coming to that table. Also, Scott Hall will be in the building. Hopefully also, sober. His recent incidents, that will be uh, entertaining. Hopefully Most sober. He's in a club setting, so mm, that's going to be very tempting if he's sober. Dude, he's I, I swear. Setting. I swear I better not see YouTube video of Scott Hall and the regulars drinking. Let's just say that they will be possibly uh, in Cara mask and maybe a Rey Mysterio mask, probably holding a beer next to him. So I wouldn't say it's us, but I'm not going to say it's not us. Fair uh, enough. And look out for the future because hopefully there's going to be some big things coming your way with my take and myself and other parties. <laughs> yep. And you guys always been awesome and you'll be seeing me soon. Hi, right, brother. As always, I appreciate the call 
and uh, we'll catch up about that other stuff. Yes, sir. Thank All right, brother. Boss. Peace. All right, that was our very own Jay Santi. Of course, you can find Jay on our Facebook fan page. Interact with him there. You can also find him on Twitter. I believe he did change his Twitter handle, so you can find his new Twitter handle in the show notes. Quark also told me to inform you guys that a new Buried is imminent. So be on the lookout for that. I'm sure him and John Blade are going to bless you guys with a litany of opinions with regards to the current state of professional wrestling, including NXT. As always, be on the lookout for that. The Buried Boys, as always, we know that those guys know how to bring the goods when it comes to professional wrestling. But with that, I am going to wrap things up. So let's take it away, shall we? You've just heard My Take Radio episode 294 as My Take Radio continues its march to MTR 300. As always, you can listen to live episodes of My Take Radio every Wednesday and Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific by heading over to mtrlive.com or gfqlive.tv. Archived episodes of the show are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Tune in radio, but you can also look for My Take Radio on any of your other podcast providers. Video archives of the show are available on our two YouTube channels, My Take Radio TV and Official Rageworks. Feel free to subscribe if you haven't. You get 720p video episodes, usually updated within 24 to 48 hours of the live broadcast. Last but not least, the best My Take Radio experience comes to you courtesy of the official My Take Radio app. Available for Android, iOS, and Windows mobile devices. It costs you $1.99. It's cheaper than a cup of coffee. You get 96K stereo episodes of the show and high-quality audio, along with other exclusive content, including mobile wallpapers, and access to any of our other original shows, including MTR Behind the Mic, MTR Beyond the Mic, The Minority Film Report, and many other shows as well. Like I said, be on the lookout for a brand new installment of The Buried Show, plus a new episode of Black is the New Black. And of course, My Take Radio will return next week with its regular schedule with MMA and wrestling on Wednesday and gaming and entertainment on Thursday. On behalf of myself and the rest of the MTR and Rageworks family, I will catch you guys next week. As always, thank you for your continued support. I am out of here. Peace. Peace. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's all, folks.